Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome Dr. Kira Gaunt to the Influential You podcast. Now, Dr. Kira D. Gaunt has been an innovator in the field of ethnomusicology for over 20 years. If that's the first time you've heard the word ethnomusicology, I'll explain it this way. It's a discipline that examines how culture shapes musical people versus how musical people like celebrities shape culture. Dr. Gaunt specializes in black girlhood, hip hop, musical blackness, and digital media studies. Her latest research examines how online music and tech platforms groom girls for gender-based violence, particularly in girls' intimate bedroom musical plays from YouTube to TikTok. Her other accomplishments include being a member of the 2009 inaugural class of TED Fellows and her 2018 TED video, How the Jump Rope Got Its Rhythm, has over 7 million views with translations in 29 languages. And finally, in 2022, she gave her first TED Talk as a senior TED Fellow. She's a graduate of Influential U's entire curriculum, and I'm so excited to welcome her here on today's show. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Kira D. Gaunt. Dr. Gaunt, it's so nice to see you. Now, I know I'm just jumping straight in because there's so many things that I have to ask you. Uh, your, your information was wonderful. But one of the quotes that you, you said in your survey was, before Influential You, I had attained and was teaching for over 15 years with the highest degree obtainable in higher education. But it was only after my second PhD in transactional competence that I discovered the power of a simple transaction repeated over and over again. Now, I'd, I'd like to throw you right into the story. What does that mean? What do you mean by that quote? I mean that higher education isn't always teaching you what you need to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I was teaching in higher education for almost 20 years. And I had a, uh, uh, a cliffhanger moment in my career where I uh, decided in my hubris to leave academia because I was so flustered, frustrated with the ways in which people um, interact and, and or, or don't even really transact with one another. Uh, people do what they want in their own classrooms. And I had convinced myself because I was engaged in this new social innovation community that I could leave and start my own business and become an edupreneur. And I had no training in business whatsoever. And I left and I struggled and uh, something that I wasn't expecting happened in life that made it even worse. And um, someone introduced me to influence ecology and I call that my second PhD. The one that's allowed me to, um, if I may brag a little, um, one of my side gigs, in addition to transacting for a job that did not exist, 
um, out of this education. Uh, if anybody is in higher education, most people get their jobs from a search process. And I approached the university for the job that I now occupy, um, which is a rare, but not, it's, it's available, but most people don't know about it. But I, um, I had nothing and someone I knew at the time uh, who, who was participating in this education told me I should check this out. And 10 years later, here I am. Uh, and the brag is that um, I do some voiceover work uh, and I made uh, $3,000 for 24 minutes just on the side um, last was earlier this year, I think. <laughs> um, and I have no prior experience in voiceover work, but it was an ambition that I had many, many years ago. Uh, it wasn't the thing that I left academia to do. <laughs> that would have been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that price, holy smokes, that's great. <laughs> I would have never, let me just be clear, I would have never, ever made that amount of money with the lack of education that I had, even with a PhD back in 2011. Yeah. Facts, yeah. as we like to say. <laughs> uh, well, and I'm glad you're speaking on facts because I know that you're a specialist in that area. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this, it's, I, I've got a master's degree in organizational development because math is hard for me and the MBA had four more math classes than the mm. organizational management had. And I feel very similar about my degree, my doctorate, in transactional competence from mechanics and practice, mechanics and practice two, and the fundamentals of transaction. And I found that it's, it's more pragmatic, it's more useful, it's not so much theory, yeah. pie in the sky. Uh, for me, it's been the ability to say, this is what I'm gonna do and hit it over and over again and say, call a shot, do all the thinking necessary and then and get there. Is it similar for you or, or how would you describe kind of the learning as you've gone through the fundamentals, mechanics and practice and mechanics and practice too. I'm not as smart as you are, partly because you work with all the brainiacs in transactional <laughs> competence. So I'm, I'm a solopreneur. I really, <laughs> I work by myself with other people in academia. <laughs> um, it, 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 it is similar in the sense of um, when I, uh, I think before, Influence before I became a member of what was Influence Ecology now is Inf Influential You, I was convinced I knew, <laughs> uh, you know how they say perception is not reality? Mm -hmm. uh, I was convinced that I knew what I was doing and mostly I was hiding from myself, from inactivity. Uh, you know, I was performing, uh, I was faking it, but I wasn't making it. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I was struggling in my career and I convinced myself that I wanted to leave academia because of that, uh, that it would be better. Maybe I'm swimming like a, I was a fish swimming downstream instead of <laughs> against the tide and doing well. So I was going to bail out. Um, and what I learned was I was making things a lot more complicated, partly because I wasn't moving very ambitiously. Uh, everyone knows in academia that you're trying to get tenure. But I didn't understand that to obtain tenure, you really have three jobs. Um, every academic who's listening knows this story about the three-legged stool, that your uh, research, teaching, and service 
but no one ever taught me how to problem solve the breakdown that that is. Because if you're a person like me who thinks I love being with students and I mostly teach undergrads and I'm going to spend all my attention and my energy in trying to meet these people who are in front of me two or three times a week for 14 to 15 weeks versus the solo work that I do by myself with a desk and a computer. <laughs> um, there's a part of me that loves being in front of audiences and I convinced myself that my show was really good because I kept getting paid for it mm. unt until I didn't until it was threatened. And the students can't help you solve that problem. Hmm. You have to learn to strategically manage what are the aims of teaching? Okay, I gotta keep this low cost because my primary offer is to my bosses, the dean, the provost, the chair, the president of the university sign off on tenure. So those are the people that I am trying to please, not my students. And I, since then, I often tell my students, you know, my job is not to teach. In exchange for getting the summers off, I teach. And in the summers and through the year, I have to write scholarship and get published. And so that's my job. This is in exchange for getting paid every other week. Mm. Mm. So it's I good. get a lot more freedom knowing that. And, yeah. and then just interacting with people within the ecology. Um, I worked for two years every Sunday with one of our members, Alex Bold, who is a, you know, like a, a, an inventor coordinating work in a major cor uh, comp cor corporation. Mm. And he helped me one-on-one -on -one for two years rethink things, including a dozen other people, including Kirkland Tibbles and John Patterson, helping me rethink how can I create an offer to my students that keeps it low cost so that I'm not spending all my energy thinking about the student, individual students and work with them as a whole, as a group, so that my assignments are low cost, but high value for them. I even tell my students on Valentine's Day, here's the Valentine's, be low cost and high value to me. And I'll be low cost and high value to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that doesn't get all the mushies going, that's, that's the perfect uh, transactional <laughs> Valentine there. Uh, and it sounds like you knew, you knew who your customer was and that who you were working towards. And I, a lot of times in my world, I have to remember my clients are important and working with them is really good. But my customer is that John Patterson guy. Yeah. And he, he sent a message just now. Make sure everyone knows that the PhD is a, is a metaphor, a simile. It is, <laughs> it, it is, we are not actually giving away PhDs. No. We actually do have a PhD. And why don't we take this moment to go back to what life was like before Influential You. Tell me a little bit about your expertise, your PhD, and you were at the moment where you were kind of figuring out this wasn't really working. There was something else yeah. that I'm kind of looking for. Can you, can you set that up for us? Yeah, I can. Um, I graduated from the University of Michigan, one of the top schools of music in the country. Um, uh, and uh, I had a degree that got me a job quite quickly. Um, I did have my pick of various jobs, partly because I am not only somebody who holds a PhD, but I have, but I'm a person of color and African-Americans are th less than 3% of the U.S. professorate still. Uh, we're, we're a very small part 
uh, and we play a big role in areas where we shine. My first book won the best prize in my discipline, uh, the games Black Girls Play, Learning the Ropes from Double Dutch to Hip Hop. It's still bought and, and read even outside my discipline in English. And um, so I, I had everything that seemed to be going well, but I was struggling to, uh, <laughs> this will be seem absurd, to read and study. Mm. I didn't like reading. Um, uh, it was it was no joke. <laughs> I, I really had lost my desire for study. I didn't understand what study was before I participated in influence ecology. Wow. Um, it's easy to be in a cohort of people who read for faking it, who read because they want to sound good about what they talk about, want to pontificate, but they're not using it in their lives. It's a lot of abstract knowledge. And people talk about this all the time about book smarts. That's not book smarts. What I learned in employee psychology is book smarts. <laughs> mm. this, this colloquialism of distinguishing real world uh, learning from academic learning is, it's a, it's a bifurcation that's not always accurate. There's some really great professors, but I had, in fact, what I, what I really learned to sum it all up is, you can be gifted with a lot of things in life naturally, your biology, your brain, your family you come from, but at some point you're gonna run out of juice. Yeah. And if you're not studying, if you're not keeping up, not just with the Joneses, but keeping up with new research, whatever that is in your field, or in my case, because I was in the TED community learning uh, information from other fields, from biology to neuroscience, if you're not really studying for yourself, fitting that material onto what you need, your mind, your body, your situation. I could be reading stuff that applies for graduate students, but I teach undergrads. I could be reading stuff that's not about music, but I got to fit that into a musical context in order for the people that I work with to understand why I'm doing it. I need to explain everything that I do in a way that's comprehensive and compre comprehensible to the people who I am accountable to. And before I was just doing me, trying to hide that I didn't feel good about me. Hmm. And it's easy to just keep doing it because there's just a lot of mediocrity in, in the world. <laughs> there is. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of settling and yeah. Um, I'm hearing you with the study because that's been one of the big revelations for me was that I could get through an undergrad, get through a master's degree, and for some reason not understand that reading isn't studying. Reading, yeah. reading is reading. And to absorb the information and actually use it, um, you know, make that education become knowledge was those small little distinctions that made all the difference in my studies uh, throughout uh, the time, uh, he even here at Influential You Still Now. And, and one of the things that you mentioned, and I, I love this quote that you wrote, you said, it's easy to hide in a big university or in your own bubble in the classroom. And I, 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 I've been in the music industry, as you know, and this idea of fake it till you make it is how a lot of people yeah. move. But there, there must have been something that nudged you from that fake it till you make it mentality to, no, I need to go do something. Uh, what is the, up with the shit I shall no longer put? Uh, <laughs> what, what, was, what was your moment when it was, and tell me, tell me that feeling. Give me, give me that picture. Um, you know, uh, when you had me 
respond in preparation for this. The, the moment that I remember that I wrote about was uh, in the early days in 2012, I would come on these focus lecture training sessions. There was no Zoom. We weren't doing Zoom yet. It was just a teleconference call. And I would always want to talk like all the things that I thought I knew already. Like, you know, I'm a, a bit of a know-it-all. I've been exposed to a lot of things. So I want to talk, 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 talk. Um, and I kind of got uh, checked like a little nip. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden I got, I actually got um, sad. I remember being on this call. I got really sad because all of a sudden I, it became apparent to me that I was lost and that uh, there was something going on in the conversation that would anchor me if I would listen. Um, it, it just was, I don't know if it, it, it was uh, maybe being coming becoming aware of how despairing I really was. And so I became very quiet. And then I started to see things that I wasn't able to see before because I was performing, you know, value signaling that I know what I know. Mm -hmm. um, and this thing about not transacting when you're in a mood that is not effective or when you're upset or when you're performing that I know how this should be working better than other people. I know academia more than in my class. It's perfect. And uh, meanwhile, my evaluation results weren't all that great. And I would talk past that. And so this moment on this call, we were just on a call and, and I realized that I could quiet down, slow down, uh, and I started to really rigorously every Sunday from three from uh, I get up on Sunday morning and this would be my religion for three mm -hmm. hours. I would read the study papers, which are 20 pages, single spaced, but so enriching. I was just studying one again this morning from that period. I was doing um, what's called leadership in practice and then priority in practice. Right. And I I mean, this this pay attention to any experience of distrust or doubt. Your doubts live in narratives and can be the access to discovering hidden accurate thinking about potential breakdowns or consequences. There is nothing in my 12 years in higher education that said anything like that to me. Nothing I read. Now, let me caution. So while, while John Patterson says we don't offer PhDs, it is a metaphor. Um, the rigor of the solo work, like not performing that I'm smart in front of other people, but spending three hours every Sunday by myself, looking up words, rereading, reading things aloud. I used to read them aloud. Um, the whole paper, I would record myself. Um, and then I captured things and I'd look up to things and I'd look up the citations. I never did that. Um, I learned how to paraphrase. I hadn't done that. I had a PhD and I was teaching for more than 12 years. I hadn't learned how to paraphrase without close paraphrasing, you know, switching words, really to find my own voice. And I'm going to tell you, I'm 10 plus years into this education and I'm still growing that capacity, that competence. And I don't worry as much, although the ego will always get you about feeling confident about things. Mm. I know how to find the right measures and the, 
and find the right people who will tell me what to do. But the reality is, you know, I like to, I'm a judge. If, mm-hmm. if you all don't know this personality, we're very uh, skeptical. We want to pay attention to keeping things secure and honest and measured for me. And I still have to battle, you know, 40 years of hubris and naivete and that that's a default if I'm not doing the right study or keeping my habits and sleep together. I'm going to fall back to my habit of thinking, there's something wrong with me and I'm going to hide it and perform that everything's okay. So I, I know how to get around it more often than not. It doesn't go away. It's just that I have a lot more tools and a lot more strategies and a lot more uh, people and resources to fall back on that, that I, I barely can't fall <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Surplus of all those things. And yeah, it, there's a, a couple things and um, I don't want to, I don't want to paraphrase too much. So I know you'll correct me, but it sounds like you were turning the volume up uh, in a lot of ways in your world. And then the secret was actually to turn it down because as you started yeah. to study this, and kind of go introspective in your study and look at you know kind of what influential you was offering. And you got really quiet during the focus lecture training sessions, you said. And then you started kind of thinking about how and why and transacting for help. And then it, it sounds like you kind of wrestled with an inquiry that was kind of inserted in, maybe this isn't working. Maybe there's something breaking down and then got help to kind of fix what that solution yeah. is what the possibilities were. Um, is there anything to say there that maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you learned as you were getting into that internal focus, turning down the volume on all the things you were doing and starting slowing down to speed up your yeah. career? Um, I would have told you, well, I told you that <laughs> I tried to leave academia. Mm. And, um, and at that time, I think I had just started uh, maybe seven months later, I started influence ecology, started studying monthly. I had no money. I had no job. And I went into my retirement funds and paid for those initial courses. And what I discovered was that, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I mean, uh, you didn't, you didn't have money. You were, you had to pull out funds to um, put it into the education? It's the, the question you asked me. It, I'm losing track of what were you asking me? Uh, long short, what did you learn um, along the way as you kind of turned the volume down and started to do the introspective there? Yeah, it was, I wanted to leave my job and I'm now, what I learned was I needed to change the circumstances around my aims. I was not managing my sleep well. I wasn't eating well. Um, uh, it took me a while to turn things around. I'm not going to lie about that. It took me a while to just kind of, you know, hang on the edge of the pack, <laughs> like the little little buffalo, <laughs> like yeah. trying to keep up and make sure the, you know, the predators didn't get me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it took me really the first five years to get used to turning in the papers to get used to reading consistently. And then it had its way with me. Mm. Uh, I didn't have to do much. It started to work on me instead of me trying to figure everything out by myself. And as a judge, I tended to work 
alone. I still have a tendency towards, you know, I like to read and I like to be alone and, and I'm an introvert by nature. So, mm. I mean, things that changed is that I, I mean, I, I cannot, there's no second guessing for me how important the study of your own biology and your own circumstances and not getting it confused with your feelings has mm. been for me. Um, and it's not been easy, <laughs> but yeah. it's been so rewarding. Yeah. I'm, I, as I've been studying inquiry for the, the e-coaching that we're doing after this, um, on the Thrive program, my brain has been racking with, okay, how often do I just let my emotions take control? Yeah. And as my, you know, favorite teacher, Ted Lasso says, well, by all means, if you can't control your emotions, let your emotions control you tongue in cheek, of course. And it's, it's been a big thing for me as a, as a musician, someone who's very emotional yeah. and you can put it in so many different categories, millennial, yeah. uh, you know, oldest boy, whatever you want to, you want to put on there. Yeah. But learning to slow myself down and reinvent something or move it from, okay, the facts say this, assessing those facts, what can we move from and what can we, what can we put into action? It sounds like you learned to not rely as much on the education as some of the other conditions of life. And you started to really focus on what is it that you want? What are you looking for? How you're known? And then you started to move that way. And before we get to the next question, um, I'm going to have TV put on a video um, so you can tell us a little bit about what life is like now after some of the things that you've been practicing for the last, year, uh, last 10 years. And Tihi, we'll go ahead and, and put that video up now. Already knew. We're going down, down, baby. Your street in a Range Rover. That's the beginning of down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet baby, I'll never let you go. All people who grew up in any black urban community would know that music. And so it was a ready-made hit. The double dutch rope playing helped maintain these songs and maintain the chants and the gestures that go along with it, which is very natural to what I call kinetic orality, word of mouth and word of body. It's the thing that gets passed down over generations. In some ways, the rope is the thing that helps carry it. You need some object to carry memory through. So a jump rope, you can use it for all different kinds of things. It crosses cultures. And I think it lasted because people need to move. And I think sometimes the simplest objects can make the most creative uses. And I remember reading the New York Times uh, article in, in, on, the, on the same topic. I'd love to hear, how did you build this where suddenly you're a TED Talk with, was it 7 million views that I saw earlier, 29 different languages? You know, and I, mean, I would love to hear that transformation. It, it sounds like it took time, but can you tell us a little bit about the process yeah. and what you started to do? It has 7.1 million views. It was uh, premiered on Facebook in 2018, and that was two months it got 7 million views. Um, and uh, how that evolved was, um, it was through a lot of, uh, one of my favorite expressions recent from recent study is, there is no doing without mistakes. Uh, it's from the book called The Fear, uh, The Knowing Doing Gap uh, by Sutton and Pfeffer. And, uh, um, I was offered an opportunity to do a TED talk in 2015 and I, uh, backed out cause I was petrified. Uh, fear, fear breeds a knowing doing gap is what the book says. Uh, 
And uh, I had a coach among the TED fellows who said, don't ever do that again. You, it'd be better to fall on your face than to withdraw, just like keep moving, keep moving forward. And so um, when COVID hit, uh, I was already moving forward, but when COVID hit, um, the TED community really hunkered down and focused on doing these very intimate sessions online. And I am a social media, I call myself the social madam. Uh, even at our conferences, when I come in the room, my first thought is I'm going to meet every single person in the room. That's mm. just, just an aim that I have when I go to conference um, with no intent other than to meet everyone and know who's in the room, which is an antidote to my Lone Ranger-ism. <laughs> I'll play <laughs> games. I'll bring a $2 bill, which we, we play with $2 bills, but I'll bring a $2 bill and say, if you hear me say anything negative about myself, you get to keep the $2 bill. Oh. So I play games. And so that jump rope video is called How the Jump Rope Got Its Rhythm. Uh, the, the end of that was really a summation of things that I had learned from Influence Ecology. I'm a hidden producer, I swear. I think I'm a hidden producer, or I love the producer realm about objects. Uh, and so if you can find a simple object uh, to talk about, something narrow. So mine is girls, hand clapping games, cheers, double dutch, girls, musical play, and how it relates to relationships with men and boys. And so I kept building that as my core offer. Um, during COVID, I was asked by the New York Times to write about that by the parenting section. It was my first commissioned article for the, the paper of note in the world, the New York Times. Um, and it was the editor's pick of the day for that um, edition of the newspaper. And I've just continued to hone my, by doing things, I'm realizing, ah, oh, this is what I do. Oh, it's small. Oh, it's this. It's not all of this. It's this. <laughs> and I keep doing that. And sometimes I go off track and I realize I don't get a lot of invitations to do things that are not that. So I keep doing more of that. I keep doing more of the things that have brought me attention from others that I respect or who respect me. Mm. And so um, I do it uh, even when I'm still struggling, for example, with finishing certain things that I need to do, I can still look back. I have this little technique I've adopted called um, writing a done list. Hmm. So uh, those in the ecology know that uh, a judge is past-based in their orientation. So writing a to-do list is usually a bludgeoned, a blunt object for me to beat myself up <laughs> with. <laughs> So, but if I write a done list, I will talk myself into my brilliance. I will talk myself into, oh, that was enough. Or this was good. Oh, oh my God, I, did, I forgot I did that. Um, and then I will be able to move forward in a way. And so that's a simple little object of a done list instead of a to-do list. It's intangible, mm. but it's written down as well. And I try to find little ways in fact, every time that I feel like I'm overwhelmed, it's because I'm eating the elephant instead of biting, <laughs> mm. trying to do way too much, trying to be too much, trying to be smart, trying to act smart instead of uh, some, I collect expressions. Somebody said, small claim, big impact. Mm. 
do smaller things. And so for me, I, why I identify with the producers, they collect lots of things for you to use, right? Little objects, tools. And so as long as I have that, and as long as I have study, uh, as soon as I stop studying, I find myself swept by the ideology of the moments. Mm. As soon as I don't uh, become mindful of, I'm a, the reason why I study YouTube, that's my big thing, is because of some untoward things that happened to me when I was a kid where I watched TV to accommodate the trauma of the moment. <laughs> And so while I love TV, it's a big distraction. And so the more study that we, we do study about managing your attention, managing your mouth, <laughs> don't yeah. send uh, when you're upset. Um, and if I was doing it by myself, I know I wouldn't have as much success, not just, not just out in the world, but with my own biology. Um, it's great to be in an ecology of people who move knowing that I'm impacting you and you're impacting me. Mm. Not just as we joke to say, to pass the salt, but, but you know, if I need, I have a meeting with one of our members um, who lives in Europe tomorrow to help me rethink and reset my objects that I use for my teaching because he's a master producer. I, I had a conversation with somebody in, in New Zealand and Australia. Um, I've helped people who are in other locations who are members of the ecology. Um, and I try to give that to my students. I try to teach it or share it with my um, colleagues. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not good at that but the people in the ecology like Josh and John and Kirkland are. Um, so, you know, my job these days is always, how can I help people be more aware of how they're, ex how they're impacting others when they move through a room, mm. when they talk on the phone, uh, when they think that they're nasty so-and-so mother child, <laughs> boyfriend, girlfriend, is the problem that they actually think, well, what could I do to actually change this, make it low cost, even if it is a breakup or we're going to end this relationship? Mm. How can I make this low cost for me as well as for them? That's so good. It's, it's so good on so many different levels. Like I can hear this lesson and then I'm going to take us to the last question I have for you. But you know, you are biologically a judge. You have the skeptical worldview or, you know, the, the theory that we teach in, in the idea of your worldview of the different ways that you can see My things. Ideals. <laughs> and those standards, and, and if things didn't measure up to those standards, your, your attitude came out, but you learned that it's more than just my biology. I also need to be that performer on stage, that producer when I'm yeah. backstage, that inventor in my research. And so you learned how to kind of put on the appropriate mood that the situation called for in what we talk about now as uh, behaving transactionally yeah. and finding out how in this moment can I move in a way that's going to be low cost and high value. And you have mentioned that a couple of times. And so in the learning of the personalities and the way that you move with people and then transitioning 
to your students. You talked a little bit about mm. how you assign homework that is now low cost, high value. And I'd love to hear yeah. how that's changed, how that's helped. And then um, I'll give you a, a soapbox moment after that. And okay. uh, I'd love that to is hear my soapbox moment. That oh, is good. my soapbox moment. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Um, in one of the higher uh, courses in, Influ in Influential U uh, called Mechanics and Practice Two, we have to give a presentation. And in a, uh, in a Google Drive right now is an incomplete op-ed about simplicity, <laughs> which even though I didn't finish it, I've been working on it. And one way or another, I gave a presentation at one of our mid-year conferences during COVID. And so what I devised was a simple 10 one-page responses that my students over 14 weeks have to fulfill uh, in order to pass the course. They have to do all 10. They can't. They have to do 100% of the work. Um, I give them 12 opportunities to do that. Um, I still suffer. I shouldn't say I suffer because they're really the ones that are suffering from waiting till the last minute to do it. And I come up with ways to try and make it easier for them. Instead of giving them more work, I give them less to do. I, I make an analogy sometimes that if you can't manage $10, how are you going to manage 100 mm. So I'm asking you to manage 250 words once a week. We meet twice a week. And this year I learned from playing with the same, what I had always been doing is reinventing the wheel every semester, trying to get a different version instead of just keeping the same plan and tinkering with how it's delivered, how it's, how the students react to it. So I realized in talking to a friend of mine who's not even in influence ecology, he was like, you know, you should have them cram at the beginning. And I'm like, it wouldn't be great to make a game where we cram at the beginning. And then you just get to come to the rest of the course. Then I can really, uh, one of my former students who's a professor in Florida says, teaching is your ministry. Then I can really minister them about why it's good to slow down while you're reading and read aloud and why people who do this consistently make the most money in life. I mean, I'm like, how many of you check your uh, checking account every day? I said, those are the people who make more money. Mm. A quick aside, yesterday I was reading the newspaper, or no, sorry, YouTube is my newspaper. <laughs> I was watching YouTube, and this woman who had her own business, I think it was in Montana or something, she had made $160,000 and decided, you know, I've been working my whole life. I'm going to retire at 65. And she had her identity uh, theft. She lost all of her money. Oh. And it happened over a period of a week or two that someone kept calling her and she kept giving her two-factor authentication to the person who called who said they were from the bank. And the bank said, you lost all your money. And I thought, that would never happen to me because I check my banking account mm. every day. I see what's happening. And this is a metaphor for everything in my life about managing my weight, managing my mood, managing what I do with my students. Um, and, you know, if things are really going awry, I know I need to get help. I don't wait until I don't leave a lot of unknown entities and things happen. And if I do, 
I have so much surplus in other areas of my life that I something happened with my checking account today. And I'm just like, oh, I'll just, it's a little dicey, but I got it covered because I've got the resources to do it. Just one, and then to remind myself, put that in the future, put it in your calendar so it doesn't happen again. And, you know, I just say that I don't know how moms who had eight kids and don't know transactionalism and companies that are keeping themselves together by the seat of their pants do it because I was really stressed before, but this little stress seems mild by comparison because I have my wits about me when I rest, when I take care of myself and when I'm in a group of people who are doing the same. Mm. working out every day, making sure that I stay young. I am 60 years old and I look good. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel good about, oh, yeah. about moving in that direction. So, I mean, mm. that's a lot, but my yeah. soapbox is that you have to keep it simple because life is increasingly complicated every day. Mm. So if you can keep it simple, you can kind of keep the, bike on the road, the car on the road, you know, for as long as you can, as opposed to tricking it out and having the newfangled things need to be fixed. And, you know, like, so I've just gone back. I keep going back to simpler and simpler. Yeah. And, and I'll leave you with this one. This is from a study paper, the monster of complexity. I'm always looking out to mitigate the monster of complexity. If things aren't going well, it's probably because things are too complex. Ain't that the truth? And yeah. it's so complex to be simple, but once you get it, mm, it's worth all of it because you're not working anywhere near as hard. And Kira, I have so many takeaways. Um, I Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy these takeaways. But I thank do. Thank you for being a guest on this. This is <laughs> wonderful. And I look forward to seeing you at conference. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to give you just a couple of our takeaways from uh, Dr. Ah, Kira Degant, she is wonderful. And I'll start with this. Fake it till you make it is a mantra that only makes the pain further down the road. If you want to stop faking it till you make it and you want to know things, jump in, have a call, talk with someone here at Influential You because we'd love to show you how you can have the confidence that even Dr. Kira Gant displayed there. Secondly, the idea of surrounding yourself with ambitious business professionals, other people who are studying similar things to you, it's only going to help you get where you want to go when you need a lot of help. And we all need a lot of help to get those achievements that we want in life. It's going to take a lot of help. And this idea of I can do it all myself, if it's to be, it's up to me, is, is simply working harder for less return. And finally, I love the quote that she brought to, to us from the Knowing Doing Gap. There is no doing without mistakes. Fall forward, fail forward, keep going, but stop and think accurately about it. And we'd like to show you how to do that. And I'll tell you more about that right now. If you'd like to know more about us here at Influential U, you can go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum, hence the PhD, but remember, it's not a PhD, for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential U, we recommend that you start with studying with us in Thrive. It's our self-guided training. And if you listen to these, it actually takes place right after this live at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thrive is a self-guided training program that lets you learn at your own pace. Get some of this on you. 
Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. Sign up today and you can use this promo code and you can tell them I sent you 20 off. That's 20OFF and that'll get you a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. Once again, that coupon code is 20OFF, 20OFF. Thank you so much for listening today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we're also on YouTube, so you can easily share it on all platforms with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads that we talked about in today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world, with a special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and contributions from John Patterson, our in-studio producer, Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, Liz Smiley, and a special guest, uh, special thanks to our guest, Dr. Kira D. Gaunt. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on May 31st, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. And we'll see you next time on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.